What up? This is Myron, and you are listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast, the Down on the Docks on the Other Side of the Tracks, Die Bar Style podcast of and about the Seattle Mariners that you were listening to right here on the Odyssey app or hey, wherever else you're getting that podcast action from. I don't care as long as you're liking, subscribing, and those feelings go for our YouTube channel as well. Go check this episode out on YouTube, and if you're over there, make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a comment give us a rating we love those five tool baseball players but you know what we like more than that those five star reviews all right on today's episode we're gonna get right to it we're talking about the ryan divish article if you have not heard it guess what you're in luck you're in luck we are having a reading and a response it's gonna happen as well as the it's not as long as Ryan Divish's, but it's the one that Shannon Dreyer did for 710 Seattle Sports. Both are getting a bit of you know traction as far as feedback and blowback, actually. I feel like Shannon's is a little more sugar-coated of what Ryan Divish is, obviously, for obvious reasons why. Uh, but we're going to be talking about it today, as well as the ninja is here talking about why he thinks that possibly this Otani signing with the Dodgers now that the contract details came out could maybe look like last offseason with Carlos Correa. So what he's saying is there's still a chance. I'm I'm not buying it, but we're going to listen to it. It's a little crazy, but we like crazy around here. He also talks about why he thinks Otani is going to be a Seattle Mariner in 2033. Yeah, you heard it. We're going to dedicate some time to that. Anyways, I'm going to shut the hell up so you can enjoy the newest episode of the Rye Bread and Mustard and Mariners podcast. It's going to start right after this. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ball game. I want to see the ants. The Mariners are playing hardball. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. Hey, man. I like that uh, Husky shirt you're wearing there. Bow down, yeah. Big big game coming up New Year's Day. Yeah, uh, Huskies are in the Sugar Bowl. I think, I don't know if we ever mentioned that, but... That will be following the uh, NHL Winter Classic down at T-Mobile Park, where we will be down there checking that out. Come see us at Tacos and Tequila. Definitely looking for some fan interviews. I know people are going to have some hot takes coming out of the holidays, I, I would suspect. Oh, yeah. It'll be a good time. Everybody get lubing up, lubed up for that big hockey game and uh, have their manner takes ready because we're ready to hear them. Yeah, they're going to definitely need to have some sort of system to keep that ice uh, nice and cold because there's going to be a lot of hot air, a lot of hot takes. It's going to be some vicious drinking. Hopefully everybody takes it easy because I think the Huskies think we know that's the that's the big hot ticket in town. Kraken are having a rough start to it. The Seahawks, let's pass on that and all off season. So far, if you could have a, uh, an L for the offseason. It looks like we're on a losing streak here once again. Um, also, though, on the rye bread and mustard hotline, we got the ninja not featured here on the YouTube uh, version of our podcast because ninjas are always creeping in the dark. What's going on, ninja? Yo, what's up, Myron? 
oh, you know, just checking out all of the, um, you know, non-doll moments the Mariners uh, fans are having right now. I will say, as tough as everything has been, it has not been a boring off-season, would you say, Hanno? No, it sure has not. Uh, the only thing boring is we're not getting any players of any quality on the organization. No, it just seems like we're getting more and more of the uh, the behind-the-scenes information coming out, all the stuff that they've been hiding, <laughs> the, the Mariners' deep state uh, basically <laughs> has been going on. I know uh, people are talking smack there on Reddit, right, uh, Ninja? Yeah, you know, people are waiting for the, the shoe to drop. What's next for us? Something's got to happen, right? You'd think. I mean, they got. we know they got $20 million. So, I mean, they can get something. But right before we were about to go on here, we were, we were actually going to uh, talk a bit about some hot stove guys, some pieces that possibly would work for the Mariners and just talk about them. And I'm sure we'll follow it up here on another episode of how we didn't get them. <laughs> but, uh, Hanno, you sent me this article that uh, seems to be getting quite a bit of uh, feedback here. And this is the article by Ryan Dibish. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this article here? Oh, he's just uh, just kind of asking why John Stanton needs to be more transparent. He kind of goes over all the excuses or reasons why. John Stanton pulled the rug out from Jerry uh, as far as what his plan was and which money was allocated for this offseason. And he just basically asked questions of that need to be answered by uh, John Stanton. I thought it was really good. He's basically, you know, asking all the questions that all of us fans have been asking. So uh, it's great. I really enjoy it. I, I encourage everyone to read it. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, sometimes Seattle Times articles are not free, unfortunately. And maybe some of our listeners uh, don't live in the state. So how about we just read it to them really quickly here? And then we'll yeah, that's a, that's a nice thing to do. Hey, it is the holiday season, and we are in a giving mood here. It starts off. It's not enough for John Santon to be present at games, walking through the concourse, and checking in with employees or perhaps conversing with fans who recognize him before heading to his front row seat in the Diamond Club. There's more to be in the face of the ownership group. It's not enough that Jerry DePoto and Scott Service answer questions about decisions they didn't make, but still must endure. DePoto tried to talk around the unattainable situation that became obvious at the MLB winter meetings, using terms like, payroll flexibility to discuss trades that screamed of salary dumping and yet still refusing to discuss a budget that changed a few weeks into the offseason. Meanwhile, Service must somehow try to explain this mess to his team leaders like J.P. Crawford, Cal Raleigh, and Ty France, who had already developed a healthy distrust of ownership following the years of wondering why they don't do more to help them win. It's not a matter of Scott Service providing justification. It's about building acceptance for things out of their control. Quote, we're trying to do the best with the cards we've been dealt, Service said. Quote, I guess it's the best way to say it. A t-shirt with a sad-looking Service holding two diamonds and a nine of clubs and a few chips in front of him is probably being made right now. 
or service. It was the only way to say it without openly questioning ownership's commitment, especially when the person dealing the cards and the folks that own the deck aren't talking. It's not enough to portray Comcast Xfinity as the evil, greedy corporation that ruined their off-season because, well, the company developed a reputation long before the decision to charge subscribers more to watch the Mariners, Kraken, and Trailblazers. Xfinity may have provided an impetus for their actions, but Seattle's ownership still has the ultimate culpability for either not anticipating it or not having a better plan to offset it. And let's not forget the previous three off-seasons where there was a maximum expectation and minimal investment. It's not enough to say you want to win a division title and bring a World Series championship to the city and then do so little that it appears that the organization will remain the only franchise to never appear in a World Series until MLB expands to 32 teams. Over the last 22 years, there have been so many unkept promises and one postseason appearance. Seattle has hosted as many all-star games as it has MLB games in that span. Benefit of doubt is earned, not given. The last remaining shreds of credibility the organization might have carried with the fan base have been decimated in a disastrous offseason. It started with Dopoto's comments and tone in a highly criticized end-of-season news conference. The offseason went from dreadful, skipping worse, in the progression to failure with the revelation that the team's payroll budget is so limited that DePoto and GM Justin Hollander had to recreate payroll dollars just to add players. It's difficult to believe that just under 14 months ago, the Mariners lost to the Astros 1-0 in an 18-inning marathon to lose the 2022 American League Division Series at T-Mobile Park. Even in defeat, Optimism for a brighter future and more success in seasons ahead prevailed in the fan base. And now it's just murky and gray with uncertainty and unanswered questions. It's time for the Mariners ownership group, specifically John Stanton, who inherited these duties in his role as chairman. What is happening with the erstwhile franchise and what it means moving forward? You can't preach about providing organizational transparency and accountability when it's going well and then remain silent when it's not. You can't continue to ask for patience from fans after it's clearly run out. You want trust? You want cachet? Start building it and providing some clarity to this muddled mess of an offseason. After fans helped the Mariners draw 2.7 million fans in 2023, their most in a season since 2005, they deserve to know why the dollars they invested in increased ticket prices, which are going up again this season, and costly concessions aren't being reinvested into the MLB product. It starts with the team-owned regional sports network, Root Sports Northwest. When Xfinity, the largest cable provider, announced it was moving Root to its most expensive programming package on October 10th, ownership concerned that Many fans might refuse to pay the upgrade or cancel subscriptions completely, decided to reduce the expected payroll budget for the 2024 scene. Was it another risk-adverse decision or a prudent reaction to numbers projected or determined? The Mariners' why in all of this has been implied without anyone from the organization saying it on record. Providing answers to some of these questions might offer up some understanding for their recent decision-making. How many subscribers have committed to the upgrade? 
what are the projections for subscriber retention or attraction moving forward? Why is this so debilitating to their finances? Is it due to the cost of Kraken and Trailblazer television deals and minimal ratings for those games? They've never released how much Root paid for the four years of the broadcasting rights for the Blazers or the exact length of the cost of the Kraken TV deal. Perhaps more importantly, it should be asked how the Mariners weren't ready for this situation. Should they have expected Comcast to do this after Warner Brothers Discovery, who owns 40% of Root, announced it was getting out of the RSN business? It's also fair to ask why the Mariners' ownership doesn't reinvest more dollars into the organization to help offset the unexpected financial uncertainty. With MLB still trying to figure out how to keep regional sports networks while embracing streaming, are the Mariners going to operate with this sort of payroll in the seasons ahead? The goal of owning a professional sports franchise isn't to make the most money. It's to win the most games and championships. The Mariners didn't invest enough in the 2023 team, and they didn't win enough games to reach the postseason. And the organization has never played for a championship. Do they not see the window of ultimate success is closing faster than expected without investment? Let's be clear. The Mariners aren't broke or leveraged. They have money. They make money. They have the potential to make money. It's not as if Root is filing for bankruptcy like Diamond Sports Group, which owns Bally Sports Network, the regional sports network of 14 MLB teams. Sources say Root isn't suffering heavy financial losses. It just isn't generating as much revenue as expected or desired. The Mariners are a profitable organization. While they have disputed the Forbes reports of their high revenues and valuations, they aren't going to offer up any insight on their finances either. They have maintained financial viability even in the years when the on-field product was abysmal. They know how to make money even under the worst conditions as their former president, Kevin Mather, once boasted. But where are those revenues going? Former CEO Howard Lincoln often said that ownership didn't pocket any profits generated by the team and instead reinvested every dollar back into the organization. Not every dollar should or would go to player payroll, but it seems like it's been less than it should be. The Mariners need to provide some clarity for the sake of the fan base that's been patient longer than reasonably expected. Anything else? Well, it's not enough. I mean, there it is right there. Uh, you know, I would, I would want to argue that it's not about the team making money. It's about increasing the value of the franchise. And even if you're breaking even every year, the value of the Mariners brand name and franchise is going up. And we want to become like the Yankees and like the Dodgers where we're, you know, a $100 billion franchise. So not making money. What I think people are frustrated is ownership is not willing to invest their own money to put into the team to make, oh, no, we can, what did we make, $98 million last year or something like that? But how much more were the Mariners be worth as a franchise if we went to the playoffs and went to the World Series? And how much, you know, that's, that's what I got to say about that. Anna? Yeah, I mean, it's always been known that owners make their money on a franchise when they sell it. It's always been the case. Um, my, You mentioned Mather. I mean, yeah, he 
remember that video that came out when he was depicting Julio talking about how he couldn't speak English and, you know, all those other things that he let the cat out of the bag with having, you know, cashless at the uh, T-Mobile park and all that stuff. But he also did talk about, you know, these other things that are coming to light now too. I mean, he was so arrogant talking to the Rotary Club about everything. And uh, now this article, I just thought Ryan did a nice job of just depicting all the things and asking the, the correct questions that everybody wants to have answered. You told us you're going to have the rebuild. You told us to be, be be patient when the time was right. And we had our core, we were going to go after it and spend the money and put this team over the top. And they've done the exact opposite. Yeah. It's like, we're living in bizarro land. Uh, this would be expected if you were, let's just say the San Diego Padres, right? You've, you've spent and you've spent on payroll and you're not getting the results. I could see an off season. I can understand an off season. Like, Hey, we got to We got to get rid of some of this money and start getting a new plan here together. This makes no sense for what, what the Mariners have been doing with their Ascension, especially with their young core. Well, the Padres, too, they spent so much money that they overspent and had to get loans just to make payroll. I mean, it's a bit totally different situation, too. So, But, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, the the one line that I really like the best, and, it, and, it, and it's how all fans feel, and it's really professional sports for these folks is, you know, it's it's playtime. And, and I just like how he writes, the goal of owning a professional sports franchise isn't to make the most money. Uh, it's to win the most games and championships. And that comes back to what I said. The, the owners make their money off the sales. Sure, the Mariners are making a ton of money um, while they're still owning it. But, I mean, look at what they bought it for compared to what it's valued. They said in this Forbes thing, but the Mariners disputed. I mean, it's just skyrocketed compared to what they bought it for. But um yeah. I like that they, I like that they, <laughs> I, I, it's so irritating. They'll dispute that claim but they won't make a statement on what's going on good point absolutely and you take this behavior that they're doing and if you said the san diego padres were behaving this way given that they've had to get loans to you know to get and they've had to take out loans to get back into the black i could understand all of this what the Mariners are doing and the history of what they are and the value of the team going up and the profits that you're making. And then, and then I look at the whole situation with Bally's. All right. They're going bankrupt, right? Shit is hitting the fan for Bally sports. We're not part of Bally sports, part of root sports on Xfinity. And they're not taking, according to this article, huge financial losses. So it doesn't make sense. And um, I mean, I pulled up the, the whole Xfinity like what people are angry about and that is you know let me see right here it says xfinity um the package that you have to upgrade to the ultimate package for 68 dollars a month then you have to get the 26 dollar a month broadcast fee and the 10 dollar a month regional sports fee yeah so that's almost a hundred dollars and then you have to um, pay the rental and the equipment too so it's almost $120 more this year, some shit like that, to get the Mariners on TV. And I'm not refuting that that's bullshit by them, but I'm also going to say this. 
if everybody can just, if you're listening, if you want a secret, listen, I'm, I'm only in Seattle part-time up there. I'm down here in Los Angeles. So I've had to pay money for years to watch this team. I have to get the MLB subscription. But my one of my neighbors down here has enlightened me in the last couple of years uh, for any sports, NFL, whatever. I'm giving a, a secret because we are the underground podcast. Uh, again, uh, proceed with your own caution or whatever. Go to StreamEast.io. StreamEast.io has every sport, every pay-per-view. You click on it. Then you pull up the player. It'll send some pop-ups. You click out of those pop-ups. It'll keep doing that, keep doing that. And then finally you'll be in, you can watch the games. That's a little, that's a little hack here from uh, the rye bread and mustard people. I've, I've had to use that when they're down here playing the angels and I can't make it to the game. Or if I'm in the same market where you can't use the MLB app, I've, I've done that. Um, so uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> nice. So it, anyways, we're going to do a whole episode, I think, on this whole Xfinity thing in its in its own and it's in its own. I, what I do want to talk about here, because all three of us go to games, we got the season tickets, we've had them for the last two years, we didn't renew, we didn't renew because of the price increase, because it's happened two years in a row. It's not just this year, it went up basically about five or six dollars a game each year which what breaks down to about what about 1100 more dollars for the particular seats that we have we decided not to do that this year um and i'm interested to see how many other people haven't done that you guys said you've heard things and read things because they're not going to report that but on reddit or in social media have you heard of other people just not renewing their tickets i know our friend mike and, and and cj aren't as well i have i've seen a couple articles actually but uh, yeah pe- people aren't renewing their season tickets basically what both the articles said yeah i've re- i've seen that quite a bit too and it's not only that the price increase it's the distrust in the team um coming into last year and not making the moves and putting in the the necessary, you know, quality back into the club and making certain moves, you know, last year was just a stinker and um, people are frustrated and that it's, it's a lot of wait and see right now. Pull that up. But I mean, another big reason I think is they have all these special pricing days, almost two thirds of the games you can get in the ballpark for a lot cheaper than are expected because they lower the prices right before you know so it does if you why can... why go ahead why get your season tickets when i can pay ten dollars at game time and go sit in eggers anyways <laughs> yeah another hack uh <laughs> they have those ten dollar center field tickets for what most monday tuesday wednesday games and most of the time you can go on whatever vivid uh or uh game time or StubHub or seat geek and we can tell you we can tell you this as season ticket holders the season ticket holder reselling for most games we are taking a loss it's because the team stinks well that's a good ending to that uh, section <laughs> that's a good <laughs> the team stinks. 
Supercross this weekend in the Kingdom. The Coors Beer Supercross doubleheader. Get ready, Seattle, this Saturday night at 7.30 and Sunday afternoon at 2. The 1988 AMA Supercross Tour. Motorcycle Media on an incredible dirt battleground that treats man and machine the same way. With absolutely no respect. See the best. National champion Jeff Ward. Former champion Ricky Johnson. Tickets at all Ticketmaster locations, including the Bond, Tower Records, and Video, and participating Honda dealers. The Coors Beer Supercross. So there was another article that uh, I'll just read really quickly. It's it's a lot shorter than that other one. Um, it is actually by Shannon Dreyer, you know, who follows the Mariners for 710. Uh, Seattle is part of the radio broadcast. Um, she writes uh, an article here. It, it's titled, let's pull it up here. It is, here's the Shannon Dreyer article. Let's pull it up here. Dreyer, what are the Mariners' options? In post-Otani off-season market. Let's jump into the meat and potatoes where she says, and going after cutting through all the Otani talk. And she says, and for the rest of baseball, it's time to carry on. What does carry on look like for the Mariners? And what, after an unexpected horrific off-season turn, has become the most uncertain of times this winter? That remains to be seen. But the Otani signing... And the countdown to spring training not slowing. The market will pick up and the Mariners will have roster holes to fill. What president of operations, Jerry Depoto and general manager, Justin Hollander, have available to them in terms of budget has not been shared publicly. But Depoto has said he does expect to have payroll above what was spent last season. How much is the key question. What we do know is DePoto had to pivot and clear dollars an estimated $20 million with trades in recent weeks. Is that his spending money for 2024 or will funds be added? Is he looking at $140 million or $150 million, somewhere in between or perhaps even more? Is that number even set? The optimism, if you can find one, would point out offseason surprises can go both ways. State in the needs are one and a half outfielders and the middle of the lineup present, perhaps in the form of DH. There are options in both free agency and the trade market. Free agents who could help the Mariners fill roster include Jorge Soler, Reese Hoskins, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., J.D. Martinez, or perhaps Korean star Jung Ho Lee. On the trade front, things get interesting. The Twins have made Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco. The Rays could move Randy Rosarena. Isak Paredes, or perhaps others. Maybe Baltimore is a potential trade partner. And how about Cleveland? Could Josh Naylor be pried away? Topoto still holds a valuable trade chip in young, controllable starting pitchers. And it would be an uncomfortable move to make their current rotation depth, but the current situation is worth exploring. What remains of the offseason could be very tense times for the Mariners. Getting free agents' bats to come to Seattle has been a challenge under the best of circumstances. and. What is truly available in the trade is never a certainty. It is not the hand DePoto expected to be dealt, but it is his team, a team that he spent the last five years building. There's a job to be finished regardless of circumstances, and in his comments to the media at the close of the MLB winter meetings last week, DePoto was candid about the situation and resolute as ever in his belief in the team. Yep, so... Ninja, you were saying with this this article, people, Shannon Dreyer was taking some heat? Well, people were saying she's kind of being negative with that article. 
Wow. But, uh, what I is didn't she take anything from that. What is she supposed to say? I mean, I know that you don't agree with it, but I mean, no, I didn't. Just, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see what the big deal was. It was a pretty straightforward article. Yeah, I find it interesting that this article can be looked at as negative, and what Ryan Divish is saying is like the gospel. It's it, they're very similar. I feel like this is a sugar coated version of what. Ryan Divish said, how about you, Hannah? Oh, absolutely. Um, this is just talking about basically the scenarios that Jerry DePoto is having to face in the offseason where the DePoto article is going after, and I would call it going after and, demand, you know, ask, wanting answers from Mariner ownership about what's going on. Yeah, I mean, this to me right here i know you like to say 710 always gets the script this is kind of like if you had a rated r script and you had to have somebody punch it up and make it a family affair or a pg-13 we can get we get people into the movie theaters to see it or we can get into the streaming uh vortex we're going to get more looks and likes and optimism out of it. i feel like this is actually an optimistic uh piece here by shannon dreyer yeah, there. It's it's just saying, just giving different scenarios. You know, it's just it's just talking about what has happened, what could happen, um, but it doesn't give you any. You know, it's very vague, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. It's it's vague. It's here's who's available, which you could pull up on MLB.com, and I could do that right now. Let's see, twenty twenty three free agents baseball uh we still have on the free agency list and we'll and we'll get through it we still have quite a bit of people uh you know we'll, we'll get to that a bit later or on part two of this episode we kind of know who those players are they're written here in the article we've done podcasts about these people we've done snell we've talked about cody bellinger and it but i will say with everybody it seems like with the fan base, when it comes to the trade to get a player, which it seems like that's going to happen, that is what the hot button is because it just yeah. was so so cut and dry that they just needed to spend money. It'd be it'd be nice if the ownership just put out some reassuring words like, "Don't worry, um, we're going to spend some money." You know, probably not as much as you guys thought, but we're not. You know what I mean? Something come out and like, you know, ease the Mariners. But you know, silence is just like half people guessing. So become everyone like uneasy about you know, is it a fire sale? What's really going on? I I think out of all this, the one thing I take away is I go, I used to kind of wonder what the hell Jerry Depoto was doing at some points. Sometimes these really great trades, some of these really good moves, and also preaching preaching patience and I mean, we could have guessed this already, but now it's, I think for the general fan, we know it's, it's not Scott Service's fault and it's not Jerry DePoto's fault. I know Jerry DePoto has been promoted, what, to president of operations since the beginning of what last season or the season before that, where he answers directly to him. So I'm sure this has gotten heated. I'm sure there has been some pretty prickly conversations but also he hasn't stepped down from 
his position. I mean, all, all this frustration, I could see him or anybody just being like, fuck it, I'm done with this. And going somewhere that's going to spend money. I mean, right previous, he was at, he was in Anaheim. And as we know, they like to record, recklessly spend. Yeah, I mean, maybe they, you know, it's a bargaining standpoint where you don't want to release how much money you have to spend. We act like, oh, you know, we only have we only have twenty million to spend, but really you have sixty million to spend. Well, there's like I don't know some sort of advantage of not releasing that number to the public. I just think it's a culmination of a lot. It's the rebuild, the last year not making any successful moves, the off season, the comments, the fifty four percent. Uh, it just all that just comes into everything. This last trade that most people in the baseball world was thought was just foolish. That yeah, it was just a salary dump, and the Mariners got not nothing in return to equal what they gave up. So I think it's just a lot of frustration and wanting to know when is this rebuild we've been talking about for ten years or eight years or whatever. When it when mm-hmm. are we gonna when's it gonna happen? It's always moving the goalpost every single year. It feels like I think it's different this year because uh, I think we're our window is is here now with our pitching staff. You know, we're next we're gonna have to sign we're gonna have to sign Logan and Kirby, and then you know what one or two more years maybe Logan in one year. You know that's gonna start costing money to have this quality of pitching staff. So to have this whole pitching staff intact right now, I think is, you know, our window and you should really go after it in the next couple of years. You're exactly right. I mean, yeah, they're going to cost money. Uh, they're going to go to arbitration every year, you know, and Logan could be making 17 million in a couple of years here off arbitration. I was reading that's even before if yeah. he doesn't sign a contract. So yeah, the window is now to keep these, this core together that they preach every single freaking day and year. And then to add to that and supplement it to then have a, a a team that just can get in the playoffs and then anything can happen. We've seen that with what the two teams were. Or Yeah, I put Texas in it, even though they were leading the West most of the year, but definitely Arizona. Um, anything can happen once you get in there. And it's, I mean, like Divish wrote in that article, is a perfect line. The Mariners have held more all-star games than they've been in the playoffs. I mean, it's ridiculous. When you're talking about this is the window with these pitchers, if Felix Hernandez's career was not a cautionary tale of what you have to do with somebody to not waste these generational pitchers, which they possibly could be, you have to get them some hitting. It, this is had this has been the Mariners' mo for years and years. It has not changed. You have to get hitting with the pitching that we've had. I don't know how many years going back into different eras and groups of the Mariners that it's been all about the one to nothing, two to nothing. If the team scores four runs on you, you're pretty much calling game, and they are going to waste this again if they don't act here. And also you talk about arbitration and what they're going to get in arbitration. But by the way, things are going right now. I don't even think they reach arbitration. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and then the other thing too, 
just to throw on it. Since they expanded the playoffs too, it's so it, I'm not going to say it's so much easier, but it's a lot easier to get in the playoffs now with the expanded playoffs, the extra team in there. And and we can't even sniff that. It's just so maddening. But it was in Seattle's Kingdom where the Wild Kingdom really had its day. The most frightful delay of all time was the attack of the killer kitten. My gosh, what is that? Is that, that a rat? A muskrat or a cat? I don't see that. It's a cat. We had, you know, some stray cats uh, that, you know, took up residence in the kingdom for a long time. Well, this one particular night, one of the cats gets on the field just running around all over the place. And finally, another attendant picks it up, and the attendant that got scratched just... Oh, he's just, in pain. Look now, at him. Boy, that cat is mad. Oh, He's starting to run off the field and take care of the cat. All of a sudden, this cat just munches down on his finger. That's a tough little guy. The cat won't let go, and all of a sudden, Bird is twirling around like a top, trying to get rid of this cat. He's going like this, trying to get the cat, and the cat's hung out his finger like this, and he's in a whole lot of pain. Finally, he gets rid of the cat. A fussy feline with claws. That was kind of funny. <laughs> that cat has gone We crazy. talked to you the other day, Ninja, when the Otani signing went down, and you were still kind of in that conversation. If you go back to the episode with NBC's Carl Tart, and, and you hear... Uh, you hear the ninja. In fact, I don't know if I'll, I'll play it right here. I want you to go back and listen to that episode. It's a fun episode. You were kind of still, uh, I felt shades of uh, hints of denial about the, the signing. Uh, now you seems like you've accepted it from what we've talked about, but you have another theory of you could still see Otani coming to Seattle, but in- no, I, I still haven't accepted that he signed with the Dodgers. I'm not even past that yet. Really? Because they haven't, he, it's not even. I don't think it's official until Otani takes his, his physical. And it's like the, the Carlos Correa signing, you know, of like you, the player goes to take their physical and they find out how, you know, messed up his elbow really is or whatever. It's just they haven't came out with that official announcement. It's kind of all over there, but, you know, there's still pending medical, isn't it? I, I saw I saw the report that it was official around four or five o'clock this afternoon that every all eyes were dotted and T's were crossed. And look, the guy. Oh, okay, put, so maybe he took his physical today. Yeah, the guy put it on his in, his own personal Instagram. He's going. Well, so they call us Korea, and they sure, took sure. a physical, and the doctors were like, "No way." Sure, I <clears> I could so. if you're taking the Carlos Correa route. <laughs> you, know, you know, I won't call. Uh, I won't call time of death quite yet sure. on the situation. Yeah, Aaron, Judge, Aaron Judge was going to the Giants last year. It's always something. So until I like see the press conference with Otani wearing his Dodgers uniform and smiling and holding it up. You uh, know what? All those teams have in common, though, they're not the Mariners. They're not. He's not coming here. Yeah, let's just say something like that happens. We've called the priest into the room. We're reading the the last rites, and all of a sudden he pops up like the Undertaker. Yeah. You know, he's waiting right there. Toronto Blue Jays. You know who's after the Toronto Blue Jays? San Francisco Giants. You know who's after that? The Mets. I could go on and on and on and on. I would say we're probably around the 24th person in, in, in a row right there. So. My my pitch for Otani coming to Seattle in eight years, or why it's going to happen, <laughs> is because he 
deferred all the he's getting seventy million dollars a year, but he's getting two million of that in California and deferring sixty eight million dollars a year for the next ten years. And that's because he wants to avoid paying the um California state taxes. And so when his contract when he starts seeing those deferred payments in eight, you know, nine or ten years, you know, whatever they want it, he's gonna have to establish residency in Washington and then move up here. And then he'll avoid paying all these state taxes, which will save him millions of dollars. So that's my that's my theory of Batani coming into Mariners at the tail end of his career. Well, the Mariners would still have to pay him. You're saying in year eight, so three years at sixty eight, which is what about two hundred and four million dollars, and for three years, I don't think the Mariners would ever do that. No, his, he would probably resign a different contract for the end of his career. All his money would be deferred already from the Dodgers. He's like um, a ten year deferral, but you have to establish your residency in the state like a year or two before that happens. So he'd want to move up to move up to Seattle, join the Mariners, and then start accepting his deferred payments, which is going to save him almost thirty million a year. Well, to recap, uh, Nightingale is saying Shohei Otani's decision to earn just two million a year certainly is a great benefit to the Dodgers' payroll, but also a stroke of genius for tax repercussions. If he is not living in California, once his deferred payments start, he will not be subject to heavy California tax. Uh, Becker says, who's, who's this Becker guy? Uh, so $68 million deferred by 10 years for each year of the deal. The CBA, the CBA calls for 5% interest rate, meaning the present value of each $68 million is $41,746,000. Add that. Two million, and the mm-hmm. PV CBT hit of each year is forty three point seven. The present value of the whole deal is four hundred and thirty seven and a half million dollars. Meaning so that they would have to put forty two million dollars in a bank account right now to make it worth sixty eight million dollars in ten years. Mm-hmm. I kind of took it with, with Nightingale. Did I hear you wrong or misinterpret it? That he said basically. All Otani has to do is move residences. He wouldn't even have to play for the Mariners because that money is after his contract's over. Because that's the following yeah, 10 years it, referred to. Mm-hmm, yeah, I don't know how that works either because it becomes who paid you the money. But no, but you know, if you start cashing out your deferred payments, then it's where your that's where your residency is established. So you'd want to be in a, you know establish your home in a tax a tax free you know place i don't know where else they are i don't know it's vegas one or nevada one i think there's some other tax free states out there i'm just gonna put this with all the other otani comments the last year or two the mariners are saving money in 2023 because they're waiting to spend an otani or Oh no, um, they're closing the team shop because they're going to woo Otani this Saturday. Or, oh, the Mariners are going to spend $65 million. It's reported for a one year deal. I'm putting it in that category. Sorry, Ninja. Yeah. <laughs> All they're going to do is let you down in eight years. You're going to have yeah. crazy elections before this happens. And, like I said, mm-hmm. I hope I'm still alive just to be like, we told you no. 
Well, hopefully we have a new owner by then and we could have obviously a new manager and maybe a new front office. So, and hopefully Julio's still around. Yeah. Now here's Lenny Randall. When the Mariners beat the Red Sox, pitching baseballs out of sight. Every kid who's 14 and under, we want to come to Jack and We'll be back soon. We're, we're just waiting to talk about something that has happened instead of speculation. Uh, with that being said, let's thank Ninja for chiming in on the rye bread and mustard toll-free hotline and Hannah up in Edmonds. Hannah, you know what time it is. 